Well, folks, here we go. Well, good old JR is here, and uh, I'm about to introduce... What? What do you mean? It's not politically correct to talk like this. By God, we've all got it solved. By God! <clears throat> all right, I'll, I'll switch it up for you. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. And today's topic, well, I guess technically it would be the second fall. And today's topic, the legacy of McFoley Part. I hope you all have a nice day, and I really hope I'm having a nice day, which it is. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello, Dave. And Craig. <laughs> Bringing you our perspective of the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, the legacy of Mick Foley, part two. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. You can click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And don't forget, we're now part of the WrestleHub family, which is all about wrestling podcasts. Uh, you can catch them at the WrestleHub on YouTube and Instagram. You guys ready for this? It's all about the WWF slash E. Yeah, we're going to jump in. We wanted part two to be really all about WWF because that's the that's the biggest meat, I think, of his career. I really liked part one, and I'm glad we kept it separate now that I think about it because we really got to talk more about his WCW run and, and the important period in ECW and Japan and stuff and what that meant to his career. So I'm glad we kind of didn't rush past it because it, it's very important arguably more important to a certain extent, more than his WWF run, even though his biggest accomplishments will come in this run in WWF. But I think that the other stuff had to stand on its own because it really helped define who he was. I was going to say, you got to lay the foundation, right, Craig? That's right. Uh, and you would, any, any kind of, you knew of him uh, by the time he got to the world wrestling federation at, at, at this point, you'd, you'd, You'd watched him in WCW, and even if you weren't a huge ECW fan and you didn't have access to tapes, kind of mainstream fans still knew he was something special. Um, so it was a it, he was ready to to make an impact and ready to get to what they call the big time. Yeah, and in '96, Mick Foley actually does sign a contract with the WWF. Head of talent relations Jim Ross was instrumental in that decision. My God. But VKM, <laughs> by gal. I he really need you to hire Mick, Vince. You have to hire Mick. <laughs> it's, it's really important. We can special talent, special athlete. He's special. He's super special. Uh, you need to do it, Vance. You know what's sad is we're doing that. I don't think he had this problem at this point. But uh, he did. What problem? He did. He did. What, what problem? 
He did at this yeah. point. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't see a problem. What he, had to pol- he had to polish. And, and you're it. mocking it, not me. I just want to go on record and say that it's you. Uh, I can look <laughs> at the video. It's on the dollar stage. Fire Anyway, Jim, we love you. Don't 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 be upset if you ever. If you don't have a Jim Ross impression in your bag, in your personal bag with your friends who watch wrestling, you you're can't not a wrestling, be on a wrestling podcast. Thank flat you. out, <laughs> flat out, you're a piece of shit. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're garbage. If you don't have a JR impression, you're, you're a garbage person. If you don't have an offensive <laughs> impersonation of Jim Ross, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> if you don't mock we're people going, with Bell's going. palsy, you're. <laughs> You are a You're scum a bag. bag. <laughs> We're all. Oh, my friends hell. don't work. Right? Right? High five everybody? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. yeah. What? All right. So Vince actually thought that Foley was this unhinged maniac in real life uh, that the character of Cactus Jack would portray. But after he met Foley and kind of talks to him for a little bit, he's like, oh, wow, this guy is really creative. He's an energetic intelligent talent uh, that could be offered up to the WWE gods, right? Um, He would debut, though, as Mankind. That character was a deranged maniac that wore a leather mask and lived in dark boiler rooms and basements. When he walked, Foley would slump one side of his body to give a crumpled physical appearance, kind of like um, what the hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, and people who, that's a very good point. People who play that, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that or the elephant man, when they do the play, the elephant man on Broadway, they don't use makeup on that. Like they hire an actor that can physically kind of change his body and his face uh, to portray that. They actually don't put any prosthetics on the elephant man on the elephant man play. I often think about that when I would see fully, when he would come out here as mankind, he would walk it with like his right shoulder slumping and kind of not limping, but you could tell he was just this crumpled basement dweller, like just kind of, it's, it's amazing to what he did. Like it was, it was, it was different than Cactus Shack. It was a different walk. It was different. He had to take on a whole new persona. He could have easily just done the Cactus Jack shtick with the Mankind gimmick on, and Vince would have been fine with that. But Mick wanted to be different. He wanted to make Mankind look and feel different than Cactus Shack was. Yes, here it comes. Mankind on his way to the ring. Coming down the aisle, weighing 287 pounds. And I think the Mankind gimmick, too, was uh, a bit of a compromise, wasn't it? I think McMahon wanted something, the, the Mutilator or... Mason the uh, Mutilator. Yeah. And yeah. I think said, how about something about Mankind and made it more kind of cerebral again. This guy has been hurt by life and he's the worst of mankind kind of thing. And I think he wasn't super thrilled with the gimmick, I believe, but he, he got to a point where he was comfortable doing it. And I think at that point, if he tells you to cut your hair, you cut your hair. And if Vince McMahon wants you to be Mankind, you're Mankind. Right. Yeah. How 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 is how is Foley not the head of like I don't want to say talent relations, but like the head of gimmicks somehow? Like how does he not have that job? Just well, we'll talk. We'll talk about later. Stupid fucking shit. Yeah, we'll talk about later. I I don't real. I this is just my opinion. I truly believe he doesn't care for Vince. I think that he respects Vince. Mm. I think that he that him and Vince have been through. A lot together, obviously, because Vince put a lot of stock in. But it's a lot of dealing with Vince's shit. But just like, you know, we're going to talk about later when he was that that commentator for SmackDown for that four month period. He fucking hated Vince yelling at people and yelling in his ear. So I don't think he can tolerate Vince. I think he got to a point where he's just like, I don't think he like 
could so why so why would you want to work at that? Yeah, why level? would you, you want to work in the talent realm? But not yeah, why not isn't you know that's a great question. Why isn't fully headed creative? Why isn't fully road agent? Why isn't this? He does. I don't think he. I don't think he really cares for Vince that yeah, much. Doesn't want to. Yeah, in the sense of like Vince will bother him. I think he wants to think of Vince yeah. as this distant father figure or brother figure or whatever, and not actually yeah. work with Vince every five seconds because he's afraid I might hate the motherfucker. Like if I work with him like too much. And, and I think his entire goal is to be carve out, and everyone's goal is to carve out your own um, niche, right? So best selling author, I, I'm uh, stand up comedy. It's finding other ways where you're <laughs> not on the road and not beholden to Vince twenty four seven and. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I, I worked in, I worked in an industry where in the same, in the same industry of the same business, actually, I, I sold for a guy who kind of, I had a buffer between him, the owner and it was cool. We were cool. Cause I was a sales guy. The minute I went internally, I found out how horrible this person was. So I totally get that analogy. Like why would, why would he not want to work in the back with Vince when your talent and you can't hear him yelling at people from the back to the to the front. But then you you like I said you you get a taste of that. You're like I don't want to do this. Yeah, I just don't. I yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I would I rather yeah, I'd rather think fondly of the guy. I don't want to hate him. And if I have to work closely with him in the back, I'm gonna hate him. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible. So, um, so, uh, he is, he actually makes his debut uh the night after WrestleMania 12. On an episode of Raw, so Foley, which is Mankind at this point, would defeat Bob Sparkplug Holly in a match. Later in the evening, he would uh, do a run out during the Undertaker match and actually attack him there. And this started the biggest and most infamous feud of Foley's career. Yes. And can I say when Foley first debuted, he was the I, I there might have been other people in the past. I don't know. He was the first wrestler I'd ever heard that had an entrance music and a different music played after he won. So oh, Foley wow. came down oh. to the weird like, like, you know, whatever music. And then when he would win, it was this creepy piano music. So he would beat someone with the mandible claw and then he would sit there rocking himself and he pulled the hair out of his head and like they, they would oh, change wow. the lighting. And uh, he it was like a piano exit music it was weird like and i'd never heard that before and it was awesome like it was it was really awesome it, it, do you guys remember that i i can't i don't think i realize i can't the only thing honest. close to that right now is the fiend right the fiend can have different music depending on his persona yeah well that's just his different that's persona but see mankind uh-huh uh huh. original sorry I, i'm actually i do want to play this because like it it really struck oh, I mean, cold yeah, with yeah. me yeah, Mankind original thing. That's Here we crazy. Go. Here's the first one. This was him coming out. God, it feels very Undertaker to me. That was his entrance music when he first debuted as Mankind. And let me see Mankind original exit. I guess exit is what you're going to call it. It's like Eye of the Tiger. Yes, yes. Right here. <laughs> Wow. I never I never made that connection. 
Yes, and he did it for probably only the first six months to a year. So that first music was his entrance music when he would come out, and then he beat someone with the mandible claw, and then the ref would have to break him up because he wouldn't let go, and then he would just start talking to himself in the corner and rocking back and forth and pulling his hair, and then the light, like a, a silhouette would just fall on him of like a spotlight, and that p- creepy piano music, piano music, excuse me, would play. And that always stuck with me about his first run. I was like, I've never heard that before. I've never heard oh, of... Wow winning music or exit music whatever you want to call it it's awesome imagine mm. if you're jim johnston and you're like what i gotta do two what your two themes now he wants uh he wants exit i don't fucking know jim just do it like i can do it wait so wait wait, 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 wait. so piano for the when he wins so, so like, what if he doesn't I'm win i'm working on oddies right now and kane and <laughs> The Undertaker wants a version five of his fucking music. I don't know. Are you sure that? Yeah. Are you sure he talks like that? I'm just. I, yeah, I don't know what Jim Johnson anyway. sounds like. Yeah. Well, Spark yeah. Plug got me hole because I can't. I can't finish that because I got two of these. I can't do Sparky Plug. I can't do Sparky yeah. Plug. Then, you, God then, damn it. then you know what? Then you yeah. talk to Sean because he's up my ass right now about a different version of his fucking theme music too. <laughs> so you fucking talk to Sean. Oh, Sean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they meaning the undertaker and mankind would face each other at SummerSlam in 96 in a boiler room brawl match the winner would have to fight their way out of the boiler room and make their way to the ring and take the urn from the undertaker's manager paul bearer um you guys remember paul bearer i, mean, I do i tried yeah. to i tried to i, love I have paul a vague bearer. story I tr- I, yeah i have a vague story about him that i can't really remember right now oh yeah, yeah. I, I tried to watch this match it's and tell me too. if I was wrong and I should have stuck with it. I didn't like it. The boiler room match. No, no, um, you're not wrong. Um, I remember watching it live and I was interested because it was something different and we loved Mick Foley. So, and it was, it was cool, but I did go back and try to watch it earlier in the week and I did stop halfway through. I'm like... It was really, when I look back on it, some things hold up and some things don't. I don't mean to be rude. It didn't hold up. However, there were some <laughs> cool stiff shots. But but the whole, the, the scenario at the end that Dave's going to read is what the payoff was. And that's the whole point. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. the, the payoff is what matters, yeah. right? So Taker mixes the ring first. Paul Bear would align with Mankind by striking Undertaker. What In the head with the urn, you son of a bitch. I can't believe what we're saying. Mankind must take possession of the early hand. He is the winner. Wow. The winner of this contest, Mankind. He would then hand it to Mankind, and Mankind wins the match, right? So, yeah, there's your payoff. But at the end of the day, yeah, they a lot of these matches that kind of travel to the ring don't really hold up. At least our recent Money in the Bank stuff ended up in a ring at the end, but the stuff in between is just all Well, and also, too, this right? is a major splash. I mean, you're coming into a promotion. You kind of wrestle yeah. with Vince a little bit on your gimmick, and then he's like, all right, Vince, what am I going to do? He's like, oh, you're going to face you're gonna face the Undertaker. And it's like, okay, fuck. And he already knew that the Undertaker was kind of a locker room leader at this point. So, like, I think fully knew it's super important for me right now to impress this guy. But right away... Undertaker said in interviews, like, I loved him. And like, I, he got it. Like, he just is a genius. And so Undertaker right away was like, 
yeah, let's do whatever you want. Like you're, you're really good. So I think people were kind of, again, they see these death matches that he was in and Vince, you know, I, you know, earlier on the notes had the impression of he, isn't he really crazy, Jim? Ah, Vince is fucking stupid. He's not fucking crazy. He sold Vince. He's a normal human being. God damn it. Like, and Vince is just like, I don't know. That's the thing. He sold Vince before Vince met him. Vince is like, no, he's really crazy. No, he's not. He's just that So a lot of people in the locker room were probably like hesitant and just like, is this guy fucking sane? And then when he comes in, he's like, hey, let's do this. Let's do that. And I can do this and I can do this bump and that bump. And they're like, oh, you're a really good pro wrestler. Fuck me. Like, and it's just, you know, it kind of. Yeah. I think we've discussed he smells like burning flesh half the time. So if that dude's in your <laughs> locker room and he just, you just smell burning yeah. flesh. If that's, you're like, what the, I kind of understand. the new guy? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping by 96. No, Vince, he doesn't smell like burning flesh. He got burnt in real life. God damn it. Get over yourself, Vince. He's a normal guy. <laughs> I heard he always smells like. He always smells. He got burned. It's not a fuck. He's not really rotting. <laughs> <laughs> smells like steak. <laughs> oh, why does oh, he smell sorry. like steak? He, do, he, do, he doesn't smell like brown <laughs> flesh all the time. I, I heard that somewhere. He's just oh, yelling right. off to the side, Vincent. Oh, all right, Jerry. Yelling to no one in general. Why does he smell like steak? <laughs> why the fuck does he smell like steak? <laughs> Vince, who the fuck are you yelling? Who are you talking to? Nobody. Anyway. The new game is well done because you smell like steak, you son of a bitch. <laughs> one moment in that. We were talking on the part one about him doing that elbow drop on the concrete, and he rolls that move out in this boiler room match, except he goes up probably eight feet and hits Undertaker on the floor, kind of from Pipe's ladder, the elbow drop. Yeah. And it's just like, Oof. ow, man. And the impact's not there, and it's just indicative of the match. It's like, I love how you just don't say, kill ow. yourself for that. <laughs> and then, yeah. of course, he was named. Well done. Just convinced yelling. <laughs> There were was it there was a tag team named Well Done, right? Yeah, there was, I, yeah. I, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, like in, the- <laughs> in, in September oh, of 96, I got I gotta roll. No, no, for Hogan. Stop Fuck. it. I'm 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 rolling. Oh, all three I, of them Hogan Hogan really Nash will fucking good for them. We're better. <laughs> like just in, your name is in September. In September. <laughs> 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 it's off the rail. It's off the rails. <laughs> In September of 96, Mankai would challenge Shawn Michaels for the WWF Heavyweight Championship at In Your House Mind Games. This match was fantastic. Even though Mankai would lose by disqualification, the match was so good, it greatly improved the way the locker room saw Mick as a pro wrestler. In Foley's book, Have a Nice Day, Sting would call Mick after the match and congratulate him on an amazing showing, guys. Yes, but read yeah, the next sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you needed a moment there. I, I I will read the next sentence. But if Sting goes out of his way to call you, that's pretty cool. Yeah, this just, ties I, into I part say. one where for four years, Mick Foley's favorite match uh, was the Beach Blast match versus Sting. And uh, so Sting mm-hmm. called him after this because Sting obviously watched this match on pay-per-view. And uh, he called Mick Foley and he's like, wow, you know, that was a really good match you had with Sean tonight. You know, pretty much fishing around like, this is your fucking new favorite match, isn't it? Like, and pretty much in Foley was just like, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And then Sting's like, okay. Foley breaks Sting's heart when he reveals that match is indeed his new favorite match. He was disappointed, but he understood that. You know, God, we talk a lot of shit on Shawn Michaels, but there's a lot of people who just, if if you had to say, who's the one person you go wrestle one more time or who's the one person you wish you could wrestle 
Sean's name comes up a lot of fucking times. But Jesus, I'm just, like, I'm honestly, st- I'm just staring at the- Jess. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just staring I, at his reaction. I, I'm the, I feel the same way, Dave. Go, I'm sorry, Jess. Go ahead. But. I, I'm just Look, saying. Like, I, 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 I'll tie it in. I'll back off a little bit because I shit on Sean all the time. Uh-huh. But uh, as far as in-ring work is concerned, I mean, there's no very question. few people yeah. could touch him. But I'm going to compliment Foley here. So Foley has worked with a sting. He's worked with the Vader. He's worked in tag yeah. team matches. He came yeah, in working yeah. with arguably the biggest talent they had, the Undertaker, as far as name notoriety is concerned. And he was a locker room leader. So how you work with the Undertaker dictates how the locker room views you and how Vince views you, more importantly. And then he gets in there with Shawn Michaels and wrestles. Uh, he It's still hardcore-ish, but it's Shawn's style of match to where Shawn... I don't know if it was Shawn's book or Mick's book. I, I, I mix this up all the time. Where... He was afraid of Mick Foley. And when Foley started talking to him, Sean's like, oh, well, this guy's a fucking genius, isn't he? Like, Sean let his guard down. This guy's fucking like, he wants to do all this great stuff. And Sean wanted to do that to his credit because he got pinned in that sexy boy kind of gimmick. And Sean knew that he was, uh, Sean will tell you till he's blue in the face about how great he was. And he was, though. Sean was really good. So Sean wanted to work with different opponents. And Sean wanted to prove to his critics that I can get in there with this guy who's super, quote unquote, hardcore and rough, and we can have a good match. And Sean was blown away at Mick's professionalism and the way Mick could lay out a match because because Mick's a genius. And so Sean's like, yeah, let's go. And they tore the fucking house down. Like, Foley's almost calling his shots here. Like, I can work with that guy. I can work with that guy. Yeah, no problem. Because he's so good, he goes to them and he's like, what do you want to do? How do you see it? Well, what do you want to do? No, no, no. Listen. Like, I'll do whatever you want, and I will do shit. You can do shit to me, and I will take the bump so vicious that it's going to get you over. And that's Foley's big thing. Is that, So Sean's like, yes, I need to look tougher because his gimmick was a little soft at the time. You know, they put the belt on Sean at Mania 12. He's a little too goody two-shoes. People start booing him a little bit. So Sean's like, I got to fucking – I need to get beaten up. I need someone to fucking take me to my limits and beat the shit out of me, but me come back. And the whole match, if you go back and listen to it, the Vince and them in commentary is like, like, Sean's not backing down. Sean has just got a vicious side to him. They're really trying. So fully knows, like, I got to be a company man here. I got to put their goddamn champion over. I have to make Sean look a little vicious. So people who are kind of booing him or thinking he's just this dancey playboy kind of guy or playgirl kind of guy, um, he's not. He's a fuck. He can get in there and, and wrestle a little stiff and hardcore if he wants to. And it, the match was it was phenomenal. What do I say? What do I say? And Michaels has proven time and time again. When you watch, um, go to the, the network 2013 Hall of Fame ceremony and Mick Foley's Hall of Fame speech and Terry Funk's introduction and uh, and when you read online about him, a lot of people just simply say he's a good man. Um, they love working with him. Uh, he's a friendly, amiable, uh, great to work with, a good man. And I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for kind of underrated, selfless, egoless guys like him and Anderson. And I think. To, as we and, talk and about, I hate the fact I hate the fact that this industry eats people like that up. 
you Correct. know, it's the loud so, so Shawn Michaels survive. and shit and the problem causers that get that get remembered. Yes. And and the egos of the Hulks and, you know, all that stuff like they get remembered. But the guys like Foley who truly understand how wrestling should work and what it is all about, they don't yeah. get like to coin my phrase. Yeah. They don't get trumpeted ever. They don't get, yeah. you know. Oh, he's not Shawn on Mount Michaels Rushmore, is going right? in the Hall of Fame. Shawn Michaels is going in the Hall of Fame. And then when Foley goes in, we'll talk about it later. Eh, Foley's going in this year. Eh, Foley. Yeah. Oh, good. Really? It should be fucking Mick Foley's going in the Hall of Fame and you should be singing his praises because he made your guys the way what he was. If you remember, there was almost a point on the what they did with the USA Network is they would do the Hall of Fame ceremony live, which was seven, eight hours long. And then they would cut that down to two hours on a night. <laughs> and there was a 2013. There was a possibility that Mick Foley's speech was going to be cut completely out of the ceremony on USA on the cut down version. Um, that's kind of. Uh, a good indicator of like, no man, demand that your shit gets your part of like that uh, two hour kind of ceremony. Yeah. Like, so no, we will talk about that later because I, I did put that in the notes a little bit later. Talk about because things happened that year that kind of kicked fully out of the quote unquote main event hall of fame position. Every year there's uh, a, a main eventer. I, if, if that makes sense, that goes in, there's the crowning jewel for that class and it should have been fully that year. And it wasn't, but Dave go on. Cause I will go nuts. Like right now I'll start losing my shit. Yeah. Um, we'll move on. Fully would continue his feud with the undertaker through the winter of 96. He has a useless tag match uh, with Vader versus Davy Boy and Owen for the tag titles at WrestleMania 13. It's just kind of awkward, pointless. And then June 97 on Raw, <clears throat> there's a series of shoot style interviews between Mankind and Jim Ross. I remember these. These were fantastic. This is taking what this realistic approach. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. Oh, taking this realistic approach, fans got to actually learn more about Mankind as a person. And this takes the crowd to start cheering for mankind, sympathizing with him as that character. In those videos, he would also mention the character he created as a teenager, Dude Love, which we've seen on those videos that we talked so, about earlier. yeah, we talk about, you know, else. the milestones I was talking about on part one. This is a big one. This is the one that they were just like, what if we do a vignette where we kind of talk about you? In ECW, he did this in that promo that I was ta- telling you guys about where he was like, this is Cactus Jack. No, scratch that. I'm coming to you as Mick Foley. This was on a grander scale with a company that had production value and could do, could make it mean something. And they were behind And, and by the way, yeah. NWO was beating the shit out of them in the ratings. So they had nothing to yeah. lose at this point. So they wanted to take Foley out of his character and make you sympathize with them. So they did these awesome vignettes where Foley was sitting dressed up as mankind and he was still acting kind of in character, but, but he was talking about jumping off the garage when he was a kid, he was talking about doing all that stuff. And, and so this line that always stuck with me when he looked at Jim Ross, and he was like, do you think I like pain? They think I do Jim. Do you? And Jim was like, I don't know. I think you do. Uh, and he was just like, no, <laughs> do you think I like that? Do you think I like pain coming home to my son and my daughter and my wife and saying like, daddy can't play with you today because daddy can't walk. Like, and it was awesome. It's this emotional like thing. It's, it's, he recreated what he did in WC, in ECW. Sorry. Um, to yeah. hear on the scale with the WWF production stuff. Are, are you laughing right now because he fucking mandible claws Jim Ross? Is that what you're thinking? No, I, even before that, just take it. Man, mankind, do you, do you like barbecue sauce? <laughs> Is your favorite, do you like Chipotle or Smoky Carolina? Jim, I feel you're yeah, trying to get yeah, yourself yeah, over. Yeah, Jim, I like barbecue memes. sauce. 
This is about getting me over, not you. I just I was an honest question. If you could buy one for an affordable price, would you visit a website that would allow you to do such <laughs> Jim, I think you're getting way off way off script here. <laughs> I just I look at you and I just I love you so much. Mick uh, mankind. Mankind, your name is mankind. Can I, can I smell your hair? I wanna smell your hair. <laughs> Jim, I think you're... That's, and it's not not doing justice for how good these vignettes are. Yeah, no, these vignettes are really no, good. They're, and they're they got, amazing, like, yeah. like Dave said in the notes, like yeah. it got the people to finally like like the person, yes. which turned him face when I don't know if they were really trying for that, but it turned him face because people were like, Well, that's fucking sad. I come to home to right. my kids every day, and yeah, like there's so many times where my kids have asked me, I've, I'm tired and I'm bitching selfishly about, oh, I worked 10 hours today. I can't play with you right now. I should have played with my goddamn kids. And so Foley's yeah. putting that forward. Like, you think I like pain? You think I like falling off things? You think yeah. I like getting hit so much I can't walk the next day? So when my kids are like, mm. daddy, play with me. And I'm like, sorry, daddy can't. Like, it was awesome. And once again, he's kind of shitting on the fans like a little bit. Like, you, you guys like that. But that's not what I like. I like my kids to be able to play with a healthy father, you know? Like it's kind of it was awesome, and so you kind of saw this thing. And I want to say the last vignette did end with him fucking sticking his mandible claw down Jim Ross's right. throat. But I mean, like they, you have to always come back to wrestling, right? At that point, but it so did its you job. Have a payoff, right? It did its At job. At the end of the day, it's the best. The guys that break through to that next level in the Stone Colds and Hogan's are guys who are extensions of who they are. And he never got a chance before this moment to be who he is. So to your point earlier about what he learned and how he made his art in ECW and those those um, those promos there, you got to relate to this man in some kind of strange way on a subconscious level, you're like, oh, that's right. He's just a guy and he kills himself, but he's killing himself. He's actually got kids at home and he's doing it not for us, but like when you relate to someone and it goes all the way back to when they showed the other footage of him in high school, it's like, I am him. I want to be him. I could in some Superman version of myself be Mick Foley. It was this moment that you're like, okay, he's not just a silly uh, gimmick of a guy that wears a stinky mask. Um, he's a real guy and he deserves like respect. He just took him to that next level in that strange, relatable way. And he became an extension of who he actually is. Integrity. You know what you tell the people week in and week out? You say, look at mankind. I don't even know if he feels pain or, or maybe, maybe he likes pain. You see, you're a powerful man, Jimmy. You have got the ability to reach a lot of people to spread the truth, and you neglect to do it. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What is it about pain that I love? You see, I feel just like every other person. You see that? It hurts. Is it when I can't get up? When my little boy... Yeah, and this would... Uh, his career would just really start taking off in WWF after those vignettes. I mean, yeah, this, this whole push takes him right up to the King of the Ring finals in June of 96. He does lose those finals to Hunter Hearst Hemsley. Of course he does. And, and you know what? Whoa. That's my fault on that. It's 97. That's a typo on my part. Oh, I'm sorry. 97. But, yeah. you know, to, to the point, Triple H was supposed to. David, why do you lie about you? <laughs> why? Why? Why do you, do you lack pain that? in wrong years? But uh, the following month on June 14th, episode of Raw, Dude Love would actually debut and join Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
and he actually replaces an injured Shawn Michaels to defend. Is it defending the tag team titles or does it do they no, win defending. the tag team titles? Just? Michaels and Austin were tag team champions, but they, that's right. They had a tag Michaels. Team. I don't know if he right. lost his smile or his balls. I don't remember what happened at this time. <laughs> or his like, backbone. Yeah, something happened. Like it, but that, but he actually, they do defeat um, Owen and Bulldog and dude love becomes half of the tag team champions with Austin at that point. Kind of a big deal. That's kind of fun. I yeah. Watched, they, I watched this today. Um, Dude Love, least favorite of all his personalities. I think maybe he had uh, a lot of control at this point or he kind of sold himself. That's still fun, though, right? It was fun. And it was the thing where uh, in the promo package, Mankind wanted to be his tag partner. And they did a little thing in the ring where Austin said, I'll be your tag partner, shook his hand, Stone Cold Stunners, and said, don't trust anyone. You're not going to be my tag team partner. And then he wrestled on Raw against Owen and the Bulldog um, most of the match by himself. And then Dude Love kind of comes That's on the right. screen on the Titan Tron. He comes out and it's a really kind of fun time. You can tell they're enjoying themselves. Um, uh, but it, it was the Because you all got to think like Love. Austin gave the look when you looked at the Titan Tron. He's like, Mick Foley's crazy. Like, and because everybody knows <laughs> that it's mankind, but like he's coming out as Dude Love. And I think it was awesome yeah. because even Owen and Bulldog responded like, this guy's fucking crazy, like like yeah. coming down. So it was cool because, again, you got to learn who Mick Foley was from those vignettes. So when he would act out as dude's love, you did. You're like, right. he's crazy, but I love it. Like, yeah, he's just yeah. like, he is. He set the table. Yeah. This is the guy he wanted to be ever since he was a kid. He wanted he that. He, he said in his book, too, that when Shawn Michaels became a singles wrestler, he was jealous of Shawn because he was like, that's my dude love. I wanted to be that guy. So when uh, I was a teenager, that was way before Sean ever did it. It was, I think it was before Sean was even in the rockers. And uh, so when Sean became the sexy boy gimmick, like Foley's like, that's my dude. Love. I wanted to be that guy, love, yeah. the guy with the vest and the shiny shit and the glasses and the, Oh, these chicks love me. And like all, and that's what he wanted to be. And so <laughs> it's crazy. It's just so funny. Cause like, seriously, good luck. I mean, without it being a, a joke of a gimmick, for the gimmick, I mean, but still, like, I under, I understand. I want to be Dude Love too, but no, that's but that not and so happening. Dude Love did play it tongue in cheek here. He knew that Dude Love yeah. was yes, not exactly. Sean. That's, that's my but point. yeah. He so, brings groupies yeah. in at the end of the match after he gets the tag title. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an awkward moment. A little known six fact, and a half, maybe a little known fact. Six it and might, and a half. That night, one of the groupies was his wife. Oh, in one of them, yeah. My, my bad. No, his wife's. I must have, uh, no, you were fine. It's like you said. You know, uh, he brought out three sluts at the end. I'd be like, Craig, uh, <laughs> excuse me. One of them was his wife. <laughs> no, his wife is. His wife is gorgeous. His wife is gorgeous. Yeah, she's really pretty. He always says in his book too. He's like, I have no idea why she would marry like a bear like me. Like I'm, I'm slumpy and hairy and like all that. And she was a model, legitly. Wow. Yeah, there's an awkward well, moment. Go. Like Austin goes in and he's kind of doing his thing with the groupies. And then Austin kind of like forces away and shakes and kind of throws the belt at him and then bails out. But yeah, it was good. And, then, and you know, in 97, again, NWO was beating the shit out of them. So you got to see this point where not only are they kind of rediscovering what Mick Foley can do, but they still haven't figured out Austin's character yet. It was very close. So it was weird, very close, right? but they yeah. hadn't really figured out the Austin that would break that ceiling that, and, and go it's for on, it. It's on the right. It's yeah. on the rise. Good, right? it, so, this is good, interesting stuff to yeah. go back and watch because you're watching history. You're watching two guys that would become major legends <clears> figure out their shit. Well, and even when you look at Stone Cold and his attitude and what he's doing here, you think they're over at this point, and they're not. 
not yet. They're getting there, but they're not. Yeah. They're not over. Over. It's it's, it's very interesting. Time. You look at Steve's uh, Steve Austin's body in. That sounds awful. Weird to say, <laughs> but July of '97, his tra- he looks amazing. His traps oh, and his abs. He's he's he does beast. look hot. You're right. He's <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. He's a sexy I gotta boy. not take this to boy. places. That- Dave's trying to keep us on track. And <laughs> yeah, it's all I'm sorry, good. I'm sorry. At SummerSlam 97, Mankind would defeat Hunter in a still cage match. Can I smell your hair, Austin? <laughs> smell your no, hair. you cannot. So what I will say is opening a pay-per-view and actually beating Triple H, that's a big deal. That's a big well, deal. Well, and also this too, um, it's weird. Like he, he was feuding with Triple H as Mankind mm-hmm. at this point, but he was tagging with his dude Love. So it's like they... They were they, at the end of this match. He gets on top of the steel cage to mimic Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and he drops an elbow off the top of the cage on a Triple H and pins him. I don't know if he pins him or leaves the cage. Anyway, he beats Triple H. Um, but when he got he gets on top, Superfly did the famous like you know the I love you pose or whatever, but fully ripped his uh, uh, his uh, his shirt open as Mankind, and there was a heart painted as Dude Love. Under, on his chest, <laughs> and he jumped off and dropped the elbow, which kind of showed you that he was sort of fusing his characters. Oh, that like, cool. yeah. yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and then at the end or whatever, he was well, selling or whatever. They played his music at the end, and it was dude loves, and he starts tapping his foot as he's like out cold, like selling his injury, and then he wakes up and starts like you know laughing and acting like dude love or whatever. So it was a really cool moment so to where right. they put him over on Triple H. It didn't hurt Triple H because Triple H won the King of the Ring a couple months before, so it was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. it, they were starting to believe in Mick Foley. It creates the rubber yeah. match, right? So, and meanwhile, you know, Jim Johnson's like, "I gotta do five songs <laughs> <laughs> for one guy, dude." Love, guy? I don't even know what. I, what I, is that? It doesn't I, make any sense. <laughs> what I will say is, like, it reminds me of our OWF days when we did wrestle. Everybody, there was a rule because we didn't have too many people wrestling with us. We all had to have that that main roster guy, and then we had yeah. a prelim. That, yeah. Other guy. Yeah, the enhancement talent. <laughs> the enhancement yeah. talent. We all had one. Some some of us had like three different characters in that ring. And and, and I think that I don't know if that happens without the likes of Dude Love in those situations. Because uh-huh. he actually did it. He did it on the main stage, right? And we're like, we we can do that too. It's cool. You know, it, it brings around a lot of fun. You it, it brings around a lot of ca- creativity as well. So it makes a lot of fun. What so, tr- what trust it shows in McMahon to him too to just to to run with uh, different gimmicks and one from it, his child like that, it's that's a, a good lot question, of Craig. Wait well, to get is to it, is, it, is it trust or is it desperation at the ah. same time or or a bit of both? They they were tanking at this moment, right? And you can tell that they had something, but they the ratings didn't show that yet. They it was there, but it wasn't showing on TV, right? And they had to get people to turn the channel. And I think Vince is like, well, fuck it. Let's try it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just me. I, I'm just thinking out loud. But 
Um, in 97 on a raw, uh, for Madison square garden, cactus Jack actually does make his debut. So that's now three people. And with one guy to your point. So that's, that's four songs, Craig, uh, at five. least five. <laughs> and he defeats Hunter in a street fight, capping off their feud for the third time. So Mick wins the rubber match against triple H, which I, I, I can't remember anybody else ever doing that triple H ever. Well, right? and triple so H, he wasn't, I think he was leaving Hunter. He wasn't <laughs> quite triple H yet here, but, um, but, but oh, China yeah. was with them yeah. and everything. They were figuring it out. But yeah, like, I remember as a fan, like when he did the whole vignette and he was just like all it was awesome. It was on the big screen and he had like mankind sitting in a chair and then he had like uh, a mankind's like, I don't know. I'm kind of beat up. I can't I don't want to fight in a street fight tonight. And then dude love comes in. He's like, oh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Like I couldn't do that either. And he was like, do you do you are you thinking what I'm thinking? And it's just awesome because Foley did this whole skit. Do you think that you think that I think what you're thinking? He's like, no, I think that you think that I think what you're thinking, that you think that I'm thinking that you're thinking. And then he was like, so you want to bring him in? And then Cactus Jack walks in. He's like, hey, like, and it was awesome because he never, he was never at WWF as Cactus Jack, which is what we knew him as before from EC, from WCW, from all that other stuff. And he came out and they had a great street fight. It ended with him pile driving, uh, Triple H onto a fucking table on the entrance ramp and pinning him. It was awesome. Like it was great. It could have gone the other way too. Like uh, he tries to um, pedigree cactus on that table and it looked flimsy. Yeah. And it, it could, it's, it was 50, 50, whether that table was going to give way and he was going to give that pal driver, but it, it, it made the match. Um, and Jeez. can I just say how my hatred for Triple H rivals <laughs> Jess's hatred for Shawn Michaels. That's true. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed what an opponent for all the McFoley and the three faces of Foley was Triple H and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And maybe it, uh, Mick helped make and send Triple H to that kind of top tier level. But they, man, like they worked hard together. Um, they worked well and it was fun to watch. And this, especially in the garden, I was impressed with actually Triple H. Um, at this match and Cactus Jack. It was yeah. Good. And, and we'll talk about it later in the year 2000, they would take their feud to an even bigger level. Um, but yeah, this was awesome. Like, I mean, just the, the, the vignette worked perfect and the three guys in the vignette and them just saying, I, I can't do this shit. Can you do this shit? No, I can't. We know someone who can. And it's like, it's awesome that Vince just did let his guard down. He's like, fucking brand Cactus Jack. Yes, do it. I know someone who dreams about it even more. Who is it, Manny? Someone who's willing to do even worse things than I am. Oh, no. Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? I think I am thinking what you think. I think you're thinking. Can you bring him out, Manny? Here he comes. Where is he? Cactus Jack. He's back. Somebody spiked me. I thought he was dead. He's alive. Oh, It may be the darkest day of your life because it's Madison Square Garden. And Mrs. Foley's little boy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have mercy. What in the world? And then Jim Jim Johnson's like, for Cactus Jack to, what what does he even listen to? What's his music? Like, I'm upset. (laughs) I gotta make Dewey's music? I don't know who Dewey is. Hey, Mick, why don't you write your own fucking theme music if you're so good? You want to bring in all these fucking characters? You do it. You do it. Like... (laughs) Well, to to your point of all these characters as well, and the nineteen ninety eight Royal Rumble, all three characters enter the Rumble. So that's amazing. Foley, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. So 
Foley was worn out. He was in tag matches with Terry Funk uh, for the first portion of the year because his body's basically destroyed at this moment. And at WrestleMania 14, Dude Love would align himself with Vince McMahon and challenge Steve Austin for the WWF title. And at King of the Ring 98, Foley's most historic match and moment took place. The company wanted to revive Mankind's feud with The Undertaker to bring back Mankind's heel edge. Foley's character would never be the same after this match. So, yeah, everybody knows. Look, I I don't know how much I want to talk about King of the Ring 98. You know, to me, it does not define Foley's career, but yet everybody remembers this as they should because it was a an amazing spectacle, Um, you know. Fully got thrown off the fucking Hell in the Cell cage. And then he got chokeslammed through the middle of the cage and landed from the middle of the cage through the top to the ring on the bottom, uh, passing one of his teeth through his sinus cavities to where it came out his nose. Um, then he got uh, chokeslammed onto thumbtacks, uh, which, again, we talked about that shit happening in IWA, but you'd never seen it on the big scale like you did here. And... Uh, 1998 WWF was hot. The wrestling industry was hot. WCW was still hot. Wrestling was just breaking ratings record every single week. And, you know, fully, I think said in his book that he was like, okay, they want me to re like revitalize my feud with the taker, but we had to do something different. So we're going to do it in the hell in the cell. Him and Sean made that match famous. I got to be, I can't, I'm not Sean. So I can't have the match that Sean had. So he came up to the Undertaker and he's like, "Hey, let's start the let's start the match on the top." And Undertaker was like, "Okay," and he's like, "Yeah." And then I want you to throw me off it. And Taker's like, "No, I'm not doing that." And I guess he had Funk with him, and Funk was like, "It's okay, he'll be fine." <laughs> like trying to talk Undertaker into it, and Foley's like, "Yeah, you got like Taker, like you have to do it. You have to throw you me just, off." You can just see like Mark. Mark, it's yeah, going, it's and so he's like, fine. dude, I'll control. I'm gonna land on the announce table. I'll do a basic. <laughs> That's a good funk, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good funk. Mark, you uh. gotta do it. So he convinced Undertaker that I'm gonna take the bump just fine. I'm gonna land on the table. It's a big distance. Yeah, Foley even self even said when I got up there to take the bump, I was like, this shit's way too high. Like this, I did not mm-hmm. think this out or whatever. But he had he had to do it. And I again, I don't know if we want to talk about this match so much because it's been talked about to death um and i don't think it defines his career but people think it does and that that kind of offends me because i'm like you have no idea like what else he did but he was desperate because i think he felt man it's just what yeah he'd done three characters right three characters were debuted they were all kind of getting tired because his body physically was getting tired so he was just like listen throw me off the fucking cage like i don't know and then they they were going to do the choke slam and i think they were supposed to do a spot where that he admitted that the top was was zip tied, the top, but Taker was supposed to choke slam him on the top of the cage and it not give, and then Taker was gonna somehow punch through or something like, and then he was gonna throw Foley off and Foley would land in the ring. Yeah, but the, I was gonna ask you about yeah, this. Like Taker thought he was dead. He choke slammed him, and when he landed, it just broke the zip tie, so Foley fell straight through and bumped on his back. But his hips were going a different direction, so he fucked his hips up. He hurt his collarbone earlier when he got thrown off the top of the cage, and he hit the the thing so hard, he hit the mat so hard, his tooth broke, 
and passed through his no his sinus cavity, came out his nose I and was stuck in his beard. Because the chair hits him on the way possible. down, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And there was chairs that they were hitting each other with on the top. So as he fell through, the chair fell through with him and hit him in the face on the way down. And like it's just I, I can't I don't want to talk about this match that much. I'm not saying you guys can't. I mean I mean that just kind of as a saying. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about it. I'm much the same way. It's 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 bad. It's bad in the sense of I can't even call him brave. I to me, I'm just like, God, Mick, why? Like, why? Even when I watched it, we were stunned. And we were like, we were like, why? Why? Like, because he wants you to, love I, guess, him, I guess, but Come fuck. On. Like, I mean, nobody <laughs> could ever top that. And maybe that's what he wanted, but I don't think he knew it was going to cost him that because you're going to read on about the damage that it causes yeah. to him. But it's like, oh, he's fuck. an absolute, after King of the Ring, he's an absolute physical mess. So he begins forgetting things he's done on a daily basis. He, he doesn't know how to get to the grocery store. He doesn't know. He doesn't remember even going at some point. Right. So he says something um, about like, it took him two weeks to go out and get his mail kind of thing. And I, I, I'm the same way as Jess. I don't particularly like talking about this match. Like it's great for the mainstream people. Yeah. And this is one of the matches that you do want to throw in and show someone that's never seen wrestling to have them respect it and have them uh, res- respect uh, the athleticism, the entertainment and the sport of it. Um, but I don't like that um, this shouldn't define him. And he says in his Hall of Fame speech, I just want everyone to know, yes, it did hurt when Undertaker threw me off that cage because that's he gets asked every day of his life about it. And he's much, much more than this. And it, it yeah. in a way, it, it sent him into the stratosphere, but it also probably was a bane both in his life and his body. And then people is maybe they think this is the only thing that he that he did. And it's not it it's not fair that your defining moment should be this. Well, and then every moment after this and every hell in a cell where they gimmicked the ring and they gimmicked the cell itself that he took, the Triple H stuff, I never fully bought into it. Um it, it never matched up to this and nor should it. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a very special night and special in that I respect what it did and did to his body, but I'm the same way. I don't particularly think it should define him. And I don't, well, it's weird. I think it's your, mixed feelings. Well, I, think, I think to your point, Craig, he had to figure out ways that he could be around longer for his family and bring that comedy edge to his persona. And that's where in October 5th, 1998 on an episode of raw, Mr. Sacco is actually born. So he has to take that step back. He can't do that shit forever. Um, for, for I, as grim and as thick as that King of the Ring aura feels, man, like Mr. Sacco saved his career in the sense it bought yeah, him time yeah. physically. And those vignettes, Absolutely. that vignette of Vince in the hospital with his leg up and fully just pestering <laughs> him the whole night. And then uh, Austin ended up getting in there. Fine. And like, so cool. dude, like, off, I yeah. mean, that's like that. I don't remember who I was listening to. It might've been Bruce's podcast. He's like that vignette was just as good as any Saturday Night Live skit or anything you've ever seen. Oh, it was just beautiful and fully was genius. And like, Mr. I'll take it from here. He nurse. debuted Mr. Sacco. <laughs> but yeah, but, but, uh, but Mr. Sacco wasn't meant to extend. He brought Mr. Sacco right. on and thought it would be a thing, but people started bringing socks to the arena with the face on it. Yeah. saying it's Mr. Sacco. So I was like, well, shit, I'm going to put that down my pants. And instead of doing the mandible claw, I'm going to stick Sacco down their throat. And it just became this comedy thing that people did. They, for. Did they ever sell Mr. Sacco? I believe the they did. They should. I believe they did. Should I God, got they, uh, they when I got the DVD of Mick Foley? God, it had to have been almost fucking eight years ago now. 
uh, it was a best mm-hmm. of Mick Foley or Miss Foley, Mick Foley's best matches or whatever. I got the DVD set and in the DVD set came a Mr. Sacco for you. Like it was great. No way. <laughs> this, this, this isn't the greatest hits and misses, right? This is the yes. one after yeah. that. Like the last. Yeah. yeah. You'll just love it. I guarantee you. You sure will. I don't want See, I can candy. tell the difference it's making already. Here's I don't want. Smiling. I brought one other visitor, another special guest. What the hell are you doing? Mr. Sacco! <laughs> Say hello to Mr. Sacco! Mr. Sacco knows you've been feeling mighty bad, so he's gonna give your boo-boo a big hey, kiss! <laughs> You're gonna what? Hey, hey, ah! No, Mick, please. Please, just Mr. leave. Mr. Sacco! Please leave, please. Damn it, leave. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And then after that, Vince McMahon would actually create the hardcore title and actually award it to mankind. That's pretty cool. And then he would follow Vince around, seeking approval like that father figure. He turned heel, and it seemed like he was guaranteed to win a tournament at Survivor Series uh, in a swerve, bro. God damn it. Everybody <laughs> made me say that. The Rock would turn heel and defeat mankind in a sharpshooter. Uh, uh, Vince would order the belt to ring, mocking the events from the year before. We all know about the screwdriver, right? So, and this was set fully up for the biggest moment of his career on a tape. It's, it's, it's still fascinating. I'm sorry. On a taped episode of Raw that aired January 4th, 1999, Mankind would defeat The Rock to win his first WWF championship and the thing is is that i know it's not in the notes here jess i'm sure you're going to talk about it but this caused the biggest channel flip of the monday night wars that we could ever possibly even think of right yeah wwf had kind of already kind of put wcw back in its place at this point but wcw every now and then were winning a week here and there so and they were they weren't dead yeah they weren't dead wcw so this is the same night that the infamous finger poke of doom debuted on wcw nitro where hulk came back out of nowhere nash had beaten goldberg and ended his undefeated streak at starcade a week before and um and so Hogan came back and said he wanted to challenge Nash for the title. So they were going to schedule a match for them at the end. And they were in the Georgia Dome, which was Goldberg's hometown. So you would think Goldberg would have a big role to play in this Nitro. Like a run Not so much. Yeah. So basically the NWO had been factioned off for like six months before. It was Wolfpack and Black and White. So they, they acted like NWO was pretty much almost done. So what they did was Hogan, Hogan and Nash fought each other for the title at the end of the night on nitro and uh and for the title and hulk just walked up to him and poked him in the chest nash took this over dramatic fall and hogan pinned him hulk wins the world title back out of nowhere on this big episode of nitro where they have like thirty thousand people in the georgia gnome and it's supposed to this was the nitro they had to really punch wwf back because wwf had kind of been taken over again um but yeah. right before this match started they went to a commercial and they were like, when we come back, Hulk Hogan will challenge Kevin Nash for the title. Don't bother flipping over to the other channel. It's pre-taped and they're having Mick Foley win their world title, win their world title. Wow. That's going to put some butts in some seats. Stay tuned folks. At that moment, hundreds of thousands of people switched over to raw, a pre-taped raw and not only helped the raw win that night, the ratings, so WCW didn't even win the ratings that night, but we got to see 
probably the loudest pop I've ever heard in my life when Austin came down to help McFoley. Austin comes down, and I think Austin was injured or held out of the building all night or something like that. And when Austin, it was during the match of Rock and Triple H, or excuse me, Rock and Mankind, and Mankind looked like he was done. Uh, DX was down at ringside to support Mankind, and the corporate ministry was down at the other side of the ring to support The Rock. And uh, Foley looked like he was done. And then Austin's music hit, and that fucking place went nuts. Like, I've never seen a pop or heard one louder than that. I challenge anyone to go back and watch that. And people were going nuts. He gets in the ring. He hits uh rock in the face with the chair. The place gets even louder, fully jumps on top. The ref counts three. The place gets even louder and everybody picks DX pips, picks fully up on the shoulders and parades him around the ring with the title. And he's holding it and an absolutely amazing moment, like an amazing perfectly booked jesus christ like it is and it was pre-taped and it still beat nitro because nitro's so dumb at that point they could knock it out of their own way <laughs> like it's a it's a it is a piece of history that has been talked about a million times and uh it's it's something that you just see that shift where wcw was going to go down anyway right i'm convinced but that that comment i don't know if wcw ever won after that i think they i I legitly think after going into 99 they just fell downhill and uh it, it was done like wwf i think on that night put the final nail in the coffin for them because when it came to a live show which should have garnered more interest and creative versus creative which wcw should have put their best foot forward they didn't they tried to rehash the nwo they tried to bring it back and it didn't work. And a pre-taped event that they did was so good that people were like, fuck that. Yeah, I want to see Foley win. I, uh, yeah, I do. Because Foley's awesome. And like it, maybe the cage, throwing off the cage paid off here. You know what I mean? Like maybe that is what made people finally want to see Foley win it. And when he did, it was like, holy shit. Like, and he got on the mic afterwards. He's like, yo, Dewey, I did it. Like kind of mocking Rocky, you know, but talking to his kid at home saying, Dewey, I did it or whatever. Then it was just awesome. Like, I think for Foley in his personal life, this had to be like, shit, man. Like anything I do after this is all, you know, it's just all, well, yeah, it's, it's all now. gravy, baby. Like I, I, it was awesome. It's an awesome moment. <laughs> I mean, it's hubris. It's like uh, branding 101 is you don't mention your competitor. If you're Coke, you don't mention or say the name Pepsi. So for Bischoff to think he's, I don't, maybe he's sitting there in the Georgia Dome with 30,000 people uh, thinking, I got this. 
I can, I can. Well, that had worked. That had worked. Remember when they first started Nitro in '95? They did start calling. Give the Indian away. But both promotions were not. Wrestling wasn't mainstream yet. You know, it hadn't been since the Rock and '80s. It hadn't revisited that. So it worked then. But here, wrestling was majorly mainstream. I mean, they were setting ratings records every week between both shows. So you're right. When you're now, you're visible to the world. You do not it's, mention Pepsi when you're Coke. You don't do it. And like, it, sh- it yeah. shows yeah. no respect for Foley either. A guy that's that, what, that yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Like, it's purely it's a, a disbelief a that, that, that it's purely a disbelief that Foley could carry that. And their minds are like, it's fucking Foley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going to say that because he's a piece of shit. Make sh- yeah. That's why they did it. Make they sure didn't if you say that, it. you are referencing a piece of shit. You're referencing RC Cola and not someone who is silently like beloved by many of the people that spend their lives flipping back and forth. They anyway. didn't, yeah. They didn't believe it. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's on Bischoff. Like that's that, that, that just uh, yeah. poor yeah. marketing. And the fact that I hate to say it, they give Shivani so much shit. He was told to say that. It was not right. his decision. Yeah. So. yeah. Like lay off Shivani. But yeah, I agree. So he would actually lose the title back to Rock in an I Quit match at Royal Rumble uh, in January of 99. Foley would not actually say I Quit. Someone played that soundbite of him saying that from a previous promo. And then Mankind would actually win his second WWF championship by defeating The Rock at a Super Bowl halftime special in an empty arena match. Guys, this is this has so much um, nostalgia over it. It's absolutely incredible. He would lower a forklift with a pallet onto the rock's chest to make sure he couldn't kick out of the pin to win his second world title. That's super cool. I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. The rock would finally defeat Foley for the title uh, on February 15th of 99, the edition of raw in a ladder match. And after taking three months off to recover from knee surgery, triple H uh, would kayfabe hit his knee with a sledgehammer um, to, to take those th- that time off. Foley returns as Mankind. It was inserted into the main event of SummerSlam 99, making it a three-way match against Triple H and Austin for the WWF title. Foley shocked everyone by pinning Austin and winning the title for a third time. Just three months for a knee injury, knee surgery. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy just to scope either. Like, that's, I mean, that's the way... It probably was, and I'm sure McMahon gave his typical call of need you, brother, uh, need you, pal, uh, probably sooner than you're ready to go. But, like, this was the complete peak of the of the era. Like, I'm sure fully, I mean, yeah, fully realized like it, to, too. The, the gravy, you know, kept coming. It's like, so he wins the title for the first time. He beats The Rock. Maybe you have, maybe you've heard of him a little bit. And then he beats The Rock to win his second title. And to win his third title, he beats Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, listen, you can say what you want about Vince or whatever, but Vince paid fully back tenfold. Even, I, I dare I say, paid fully back for all the dues he paid in WCW and in ECW and IWA before. I think Mick, uh, Vince was just like, pour it on, man. Like you fucking fell off a cage for me. Like, you know, I, you can say what you want about Vince, but when you look at this layout, he can say not only all the titles that he won, but I was WWF champion three times and I beat the rock twice, the rock. And I beat Steve Austin. Yeah. That, I will that's say a, though, that's a career right there, man. Button it up. It's done. Right. I will say this match was a disappointment. Jesse mm-hmm. Ventura was the guest referee. Correct. Yes. Guest referees are always a bit sketchy. 
Um, I watched it back today and it was very ugh. And then part of me and the cynical side of me said, well, McMahon promised him the title. Then he lost it the next night. Right. Yeah, Um, sure. So it's like, come back, get the pop, but you're not keeping it. So, well, and and that's terrible to say like three WWF, WWE championships. Fantastic. Like he certainly probably didn't expect one. Um, but this was a moment maybe coming back too soon. Good for him, but. I was I gonna say you can you can argue the yeah you can argue the injury is like hey let's let's get this big payoff and let's let's have Triple H carry it it's a Ric Flair esque kind of situation Flair would lose the title after someone would chase him for six months he win it back in two weeks you know um, this is where we are right now it was clunky and it was a clunky SummerSlam it was I remember that match being a letdown Austin was injured he would go away for a while after that to heal. And, uh, sure. and they were, they, this was all about grooming Triple H because as I know you're going to get to Dave, Triple H would beat him the sure. next night to win his first ever WWF championship. And then the, I didn't realize that that that's Triple H's yes. first one. No, wow. me neither. Yeah. So they were, they were wow. trying to groom Triple H to be the big heel here. Knowing Austin was going to be out for a while, knowing they had to kind of groom a big heel. This is when the Helmsley McMahon era would start, you know, with Stephanie and Triple H and all that. God, so fun. So fun. In September 99, uh, The Rock and Mankind would form the Rock and Sock Connection, uh, and they would win the tag titles on three occasions. And this is where you see the infamous segment of, Rock, this is your life. The segment would receive the highest quarter-hour rating of it, really, an 8.4 rating, Jess? <laughs> and Rock yeah, and it was never that record has never yeah, it's broken. never been broken. Anyway. It was the highest quarter hour rating ever of professional wrestling, like in the Monday Night Wars. It was an eight point four of the. This yeah. segment went on too long. They got bitched out when they went in the back because it went on too long. I was gonna say, and yeah, it was when you hell. go back and watch the segment, it was actually not. It's long. It was way too fucking long. Um, but they had some good moments in it, you know, whatever. But like, it was way too long. But they were so on fire, and WCW was so not on fire at this point that people. I'm just, I'm just saying. The Rock was, the Rock know, was if, on fire, right? The Rock was fucking electric. Yeah. The Rock was ratings. If you, yeah. but if you don't, if you don't have Cuz play the My Birthdays and whatever, you stupid son of a bitch. Yeah. You know. I don't like the looks of that cake either. Naturally, The Rock is appreciative to all of his fans, but to you, The Rock's birthday's May 2nd, you stupid son of a (laughs) It screwed up again. Five, six months, you know. I I know that, Rock. It's just them. For some reason, every day I get to spend a little time with you feels like like somebody's birthday. Uh, He means it too, does Mick Foley. And I, you know who else was upset, actually, in reading some some research on this? Jim Johnson had to come up with a with a "This Is Your Life" theme tune, and he was not happy. Oh he, no! Wait, so that's seven, I think, right? I think so for your pull the clown. What the fuck are we doing here, Vince? Like, <laughs> Coach Johnson and his high school girlfriend? I what? Yeah. Oh my! Gosh. I mean, everyone worked really hard during the Attitude Era. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, they did, yeah. In, in October 99, the documentary film Beyond the Mat hits theaters, just to give you a timeline perspective there. And then in January of 2000, Foley would once again feud with Triple H. He would state Mankind and Dude Love didn't have what it took to defeat Triple H, but Cactus Jack did. 
They were scheduled to face each other for the WWF title at the Royal Rumble in 2000 in a street fight live from Madison Square Garden. After an incredible match, Triple H would pin Cactus to retain the title. Of course he We would. talked about this off the air. You guys need to take it over, but this was such a big well, deal. And two, this played uh, off their of feud in 97 yeah. where yeah. he debuted Cactus Jack in 1997 on a Raw from Madison Square Garden coming in and he beat Triple H. Now here we are in the year 2000, Triple H is world champion. Well, you've beat all my other personas, but there's one that you never fucking beat. And Cactus Jack was that guy. So it was awesome. I remember that match being absolutely awesome. Um, and then to tie in the, the beyond the mat real quick, you know, what's relevant about that is that covered, uh, you know, like three years, it covered, um, like a three-year period leading up to 1999. Part of that was Foley was featured in that documentary and his match with The Rock at the Royal Rumble earlier that year in the I Quit match where The Rock like beat the shit out of him with a chair and Foley got his head split open and Foley's family's in the front row and they started crying. They had to leave early because it was so brutal. Um, like, so this brought even more sympathy on Mick Foley as a character and, and Mankind as a whole as well. And so like this kept, fully going so yeah when it's like triple h was this heel champion Foley's like i'll put him over you know he put me over back in 97 so like i got all this momentum from this movie i'm you know and vince ended up hating beyond the map by the way and shitting on it and trying yeah. to erase it but um but like this was people were all about mcfoley at this point so yeah putting him in here at royal rumble 2000 this match was again it's one of the ones you got to go back and fucking watch like triple h worked his ass off he really did and mcfoley of course was you know fantastic as cactus jack and took thumbtacks and shit and full uh, uh triple h really got his calf broke open he got backdropped onto a, a crate a wooden crate and i guess there was like a splinter hanging out and it, it jabbed uh, Triple H in his calf, like oh, stuck yeah. in his calf muscle. This match was Good. brutal and awesome. <laughs> this match was awesome Whoa. and brutal, and and it's just you know, did look, he bleed to death or did he make? Did he, is he okay? You know, he he lived for a little while longer. I hear, oh. I hear. Uh, so, yeah. but it just goes to show, you know, you could say I, I know Craig's children. disdain yeah. uh, rivals my disdain of Shawn Michaels, but uh, you know, you, you think automatically that the Undertaker is his greatest opponent because of the Hell in the Cell, especially. But um, yeah, I think yeah, I think Triple H is his best opponent. I think that yeah. he because it ultimately gave back to the business. Fully knew I'm getting done. I'm getting tired. Um, I got to put this guy over. It's it's Vince wants to put money in Triple H. I have to do what I have to do to get this guy over. And their match at Royal Rumble 2000 was phenomenal. Go back and watch it. He fully would end up losing, yeah, but I mean, best, yeah, it is fantastic. It was great. You know, he, he, he does demand a rematch at the next pay-per-view at No Way Out. Triple H says the only way he's going to do that is if Mick puts his career on the line. Foley said he would accept that stipulation if it was a Hell in a Cell match where Triple H would defeat Foley there, defend his title, forcing Mick Foley to retire. This would end his full-time in-ring career of 17 years. Ah, uh, what, for two months? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just a uh, well, but, but I mean, honestly, like to be honest, like it did end his full time career. 
Um, he did come back yeah, in two he, months, he and part then he would start days, coming yeah. back like once every X amount of months or whatever. But this legitly ended his run. This is your legend from 1983 contract, so all the way till now in 2000. Here, um, it ended his run. That's mm-hmm. a long run. Doing what he did to his body—that's a long fucking run, for yeah. sure. And I just want to say, talking about beyond the mat, um, everyone listening to this, there's no reason, and I'm sure. 99% of you have seen Beyond the Map, but you really, if you haven't already, as any wrestling fan, see that documentary. And I think this podcast should probably do a Beyond the Map review if you have not already. It, it has spurred so many quotes. Yeah. We still quote um back and uh, back and forth after 20 years of that thing together, Beyond the Mat. It's just it's it's special. And to your point, it like uh the sympathy and the respect for Foley after watching that, and Jake and um Oh man, I'm not booked. What's his name? <laughs> I'm not booked. What's his name? I cannot remember his name. Oh, Shit. No. I cannot believe I can't remember his name. God, I'm yeah. really pissed right now. Yeah, me too. I because I you come ref it. It's my last man. He was the ref at Bret Hart and Terry Funk. His name man. is. He had it's. He's <laughs> an. Ex- oh my god. Yeah. yeah, he gets on the trampoline with the dumbbells. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's look it up. You never Jess. know when that phone's gonna ring. I'm not booked, Terry. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get on the People are screaming at us right now, Dennis, Dennis Stamp. God damn it, Dennis Stamp. Fuck. (laughs) Sorry, Dennis Stamp. All the respects in the world to Dennis Stamp. I'm not, I'm not sorry. I love him so much. His name is deserving to be forgotten. (laughs) Fucking deserved to be forgotten. Jesus. So he would, uh, he, me, Mick Foley, not Dennis Stamp, (laughs) would return at WrestleMania 6. Dennis Stamp comes back WrestleMania. Two, two months later, yeah, he's, he's booked. He's booked at WrestleMania for the first time in the WWF since 1986 under his real name of Mick Foley. Part of the main event in a fatal four four way match against Triple H, Big Show, and The Rock for the WWF Championship. This was also his first and only WrestleMania main event, believe it or That's not. That's stunning to me. Yeah. For, for the next year, he'd be commissioner of Raw under his real name, Mick Foley. Produced some of the funniest and most memorable. Can I say, yeah, it truly, was, truly, yeah. I do want to touch on that. Like, he, Mick Foley is so great that even when his in-ring career was over and he was commissioner during that period, all of his segments just meant something. And he wanted to work with younger guys like Edge and Christian and do funny skits with them and Kurt Angle and all these guys. Like he did so many good like vignettes and stuff here as commissioner um, where every time, every raw, he would have an office at a different part of the building at one building. He was in the laundry room and he carried this stupid fucking puppet with him or like this little thing. And he would place the puppet in a different place in the shot. So he had to kind of find it every week. It was just cool little stuff that he did. What? And I remember it being in the dryer. And you're just seeing it, it's like going over again, and the puppet in the background it, is being. It was cactuses spinning. on a golf cart, like yeah, and like so he would always he would make his makeshift office, like you know when Vince was commissioner or Vince whatever it was a big office, but every week Foley would have this crazy makeshift office, whether it was in the laundry room, the boiler room, the bathroom. What was in the bathroom one time, like and he was just like you know, and he would do funny skits with Al Snow. Edge and Christian, like I said, Angle, uh, you know, of course, then the bigger stars would come in there and do funny skits with them, too. But he was awesome. Like, even non-competitive in the ring, he knew how to get other people over at the expense of himself, but still be funny at the same time. He's he's amazing. Like, and and this th- this was awesome. The commissioner years were super memorable. He was great. Absolutely. 
He was also the special guest referee for Vince versus Shane showdown at WrestleMania 17. And then we start winding down into the end of his career, appearing at several indie shows uh, between 01 and 03. In late 2003, he would return to the WWE after being attacked and kicked down the stairs by Randy Orton. Uh, Foley would ask The Rock to return to the WWF to reform The Rock and Sock Connection for WrestleMania 20 against Evolution, Flair, Orton, and Batista. And Orton would score the pinfall on Foley there. Again, he's, he's putting guys over. This is the thing. Go ahead. Uh, I started my research for Foley kind of on the final thing that he did, which was like the 2012 Royal Rumble. But to then to go back only eight years and his match against Randy Orton at Backlash. Yeah. Um, was he, so good. He looked the best that he looked. I believe someone in commentary said that his weight was the lowest since 1989. His focus oh, wow. and his tenacity, like, and the way he moved, like, it was like you were looking at a WCW when he first started against, like, um, Sting or something. Like, well, and going he, back like before dry- that at WrestleMania 20 in that tag match he was disappointed in himself because he got to come back to WrestleMania, not in the main event, but in a featured match with the rock who had been, you know, away at, for movies and shit. And then they're taking on this new faction evolution, which, you know, his, he knew his job. Once again, I got to get Orton over. Cause I'm going to, you know, face Orton again, you know, at the next pay-per-view, but um, he was out of shape for WrestleMania 20. And he was disappointed because he said like, look, like he'd got to main event WrestleMania uh, um, 16, WrestleMania 2000, uh, you know, in the fatal four way that we talked about, but he thought he was going to be retired. And then Vince is like a month later, Hey, you want to come back for WrestleMania? He's like, I just lost a retirement match for you. And I, I literally been shoving my face full of carbs for 30 days. Now I'm super fat. <laughs> and he's like, no. So he, he missed spots in that match and was always disappointed. I got my first main event at WrestleMania yeah. and I didn't have a moment. Then he comes back for WrestleMania 20 with the rock to do the rock and sock thing. He did it. If you go back and watch the match, it didn't quite gel. It was okay. And and it got the point. Orton got the clean pin, which was awesome. But I mean, like it didn't gel again. Foley didn't have his moment. So Foley had to get in shape in like a two month vacuum, like to, I think he was already starting to get in shape during the mania 20 push, but he wasn't in shape for that match. But he ended up like Craig said, being in great shape for backlash, like two months later to face Orton. And like, it bothered him that he didn't have that WrestleMania moment, which we'll talk about later. But this was a, another milestone where he's like, if I'm going to come makes, back, it makes up for it. Yeah. If I'm going to yeah. come back, I have to fucking look good. So it was another little blip milestone that I talked about that I've kind of gotten away and, from. And he made Orton like I've never truly liked Orton. I don't think I'd ever seen this match either. But the for mm. when Orton took a uh, bear back on all those thumbtacks in almost oh, yeah. the first and the barbed minutes, wire bat. And then has to then yeah. like be thrown off the ramp through a wooden kind of on the uh, the wires and the cords with it with that on his back and then wrestle like I had so much respect for him and it was like Foley was going to kind of hand it off to like Orton like but you're going to go through some shit and he did like it was fantastic yeah. like it it was great you can see why fully mentioned it in his Hall of Fame speech yeah. uh, to Orton it totally puts Orton I've never seen Orton work so hard for God's sake like. Man. I just not even imagine the war. It's a, I don't know what you would call this. It's a slaughter.
better. It's Mick Foley, right? Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day. And Foley would return to WWF to face Edge at WrestleMania 22 in a street fight. Again, putting Edge over with that ridiculous spear on Foley. So, and this was that, the reason why Foley wanted to come back here, he knew he would never get a main event again. But it always bothered him that the, he never had an actual wrestling. Out of all the other like, moments, he was thrown off a cage at a King of the Ring. He did, had all these other great mind. moments at other events, but he could never have, he never had that WrestleMania moment. And I want to say he did with Edge. Not only was this match awesome, he looked great here with Edge, but that flaming table was awesome. Again, he's selflessly putting Edge over, um, you know, the younger talent. And uh, he looked awesome here. Another great match to go back and watch of his. Like, fully is... What did he we say? We're going to say more later. Go on. Like, it's just so good. He's so good. Like... Yeah. He returns to Vengeance in 2005 and a 2 out of 3 falls match against Flair. Flair would win those matches in two straight falls. They would rematch in a bloody and brutal I Quit match uh, street fight at SummerSlam of 2005. Flair would force Foley to quit when he grabbed Marlena. Um, in a storyline, she was friends with Foley and threatened to use the barbed wire baseball bat on her, and both men were absolutely covered in blood. Um, hold on, guys. I got a Black Widow over here. Give me one Yes. Second. Eat it, Dave. Eat okay. it. Sorry about that. No, I won't do that. <laughs> But I got him. Um, so uh, he would try a brief stint as color commentator for SmackDown in 2008, but only lasted for four months. He just couldn't take VKM yelling in his headset at him. He joined TNA in 2008 after leaving WWE. He would wrestle a handful of matches there. Flair was pretty bloody. Uh, he would also be special guest referee, commentator, uh, and do duties behind the scenes. He would depart there in 2011. And then he would return to WWE in the same year doing a house show in Dublin. Uh, while on his UK comedy tour, he would appear in the 2012 Royal Rumble. Only lasting six minutes, and he was eliminated by Cody Rhodes. That was his final match in WWF. He was scheduled to take on Dean Ambrose at SummerSlam. He could not pass the physical to be cleared. He was forced to announce his retirement. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2003. So that's my beef right here. Listen, I understand how everything went down that year. When they first announced Foley as the class of 2013, I was super fucking excited. And I was like, he's going to be the main guy, right? Like I said earlier, every year there's a main, you know, you have like four or five inductees, but you have that main guy. Hulk's going in this year. So obviously it's Hulk's year, you know? So I was so excited that Foley, was going to be the main event that fully was going to be the guy before they had the fucking hall of fame that year, a couple of months before, maybe even only a month before the WWE triple H specifically mended fences with Bruno San Martino. And so they of course talked Bruno San Martino, please come back because Bruno San Martino did not like Vince jr. He loved Vince senior, but never liked Vince jr. And there was a story history between the company and that. And Vince, Vince could never get San Martino to break down and come back and be part of the hall of fame. Triple H somehow broke that barrier and got, you know, impressed his father-in-law and got Bruno San Martino to come back. Unfortunately, they were like, we got to get Bruno San Martino in the Hall of Fame this year in case he changes his mind and doesn't want to go in next year. So they brought him in that same year as Foley, thus making Bruno San Martino the main centerpiece for that year. Listen, I 
no offense against Bruno San Martino, and he deserves all the accolades he gets because San Martino was part of a, an era before the Hulk era. It was, you know, he was just say it, just but, say it. Bro. But it's it's bullshit. it's bullshit that fully got ripped off of that centerpiece that year. He fucking deserves it, and that's why I'm so excited that we're doing this legacy. He fucking deserved it. Like what? <laughs> I know Vince gave him a lot of stuff, right? Vince arguably gave him the best career that he could ever have, you know, and he gave him three world titles. And I'm not saying shit on, to shit on that. Vince obviously loved Foley and wanted to put stock in him. But but Vince obviously is super selfish at times, too. And he took from Foley just as much as Foley gave. Like Vince had no problem shitting on Foley sometimes and, and, and making Foley look stupid and the fodder when, you know, Foley didn't need to look like that. But give the fucking like how... I can't even, I'm so pissed. Like everything he's done in his career, he should have been the fucking main event that year at the hall of fame. I know why they did it. And I understand, but you know what? Put fucking Bruno Seymour or you know what? Pull Foley out and put Foley in next year. Foley does. And Foley, Foley would have waited. Like Craig said, like Craig said, they used to do a USA special of the night of the hall of fame. So the hall of fame would be happening that night. The hall of fame is like four hours long, but USA would be like, okay, we'll chime in for two hours live and, or, or even an hour. I don't even remember what it was. So you got to pick and choose. So they would, they would book the hall of fame night around the people that were going to go live to USA that night. And like Craig said, they almost didn't include Foley in the live. So you fuck them over and you don't make them the centerpiece of 2013 because I get, I get it. I get what happened with San Martino, but then you go as far as to almost kick him off the live broadcast of USA. Fuck you. Fuck you all. Like <laughs> this fucking guy like wrote books himself. No ghostwriter wrote books himself, which paved the way for your other stars to write memoirs and that WWE would get behind because they saw how successful Foley's fucking books were. So Foley fucking did that for you. Then you fucking like he falls off a fucking cage for you, falls through a cage for you, gets thumbtacks, puts, so put, many puts edge over, over yeah. puts Orton over your fucking future, puts them over like a fucking professional should do. And then you, okay, you, you replace him with San Martino. Again, I'm willing to accept that, but then you almost cut him out of the live broadcast. Fuck you. Fuck you. So How did angry. that almost even happen? Fuck you. Sorry. I'm done. I'm done. Take over. Fucking garbage, I, 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 garbage. I, I'm not. I'm not arguing it, man. I'm not. I'm not trying to fight you on it. I just like to get into the awards. Get to the awards. Accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> and on, you know who else was inducted? It was it was Backlund, I believe. Right? Like, I don't. Yeah, it's fine. I, Fuck I, it. Like, yeah. I mean, if 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 it's those three, like, just switch it. Have San Martino lead off in because Foley went first. Have Foley like finish it off. Like, it's it's again, it's a my, television my spectacle for television and audience yeah. that's based on fans that are watching the current product. My ultimate gripe is not that San Martino ended up like taking the main event slot that year. I get why that happened. I truly do. But to almost like Craig said earlier, to almost cut him out of the live broadcast. Fuck you for even Wait, thinking but it, that. Was it live broadcast or was it um, controversy it was over the, putting it together for the taped thing? It was, it, it no, was, it was it a was, live because like what they did is they would have the Hall of Fame and then USA would chime in and hit the, you know, hit the live. Yeah. At a period of yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, moving forward. Yeah, he should have had his own year. Should have been the main event guy. If Goldberg can get a fucking main event year, you know, of retirement, Mick certainly deserves that. So. 
Mick is a multiple New York Times bestselling author of five memoirs that he actually wrote himself. He's written four children's books. He's written two fiction books. He's the PWI Inspirational Wrestler of the Year in 93. He owns the PWI Match of the Year in 1998 versus Undertaker and Hell in the Cell, obviously. Uh, PWI Match of the Year versus The Rock at Royal Rumble in 99. I don't know too many that have more than a couple of Match of the Years. You're, you're getting on Flair Hogan status and those kind of things at that point. That's pretty incredible. He's an ECW Tag Team Championship with Mickey Ripwreck. TNA Heavyweight Champion, WCW Tag Team Champion with Kevin Sullivan, WWF Hardcore Champion, and Tag Team Championship eight times. With I said, we didn't even get into these, right? Steve Austin, Terry Funk, Kane twice, The Rock three times, and Al Snow in our archives. I would have liked to see that title go a little bit further with Al Snow. Um, when a couple weeks, I think. WWF World Title three times. WWE Class of 2013 Hall of Fame. He's a Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame class of 2000. Wrestling Observer Raiders favorite wrestler in 98. He's a Wrestling Observer best promotion. No, best promo like like interview promo. Yeah, yeah, best promo interview. Did I not make that clear? My bad. Um, uh, 2004, 2006. Wrestling Observer Feud of the Year versus Triple H in 2000. That's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Hey, by the way, where did Bang Bang come from, guys? Bang Bang came from, he said that he was, uh, he, the song Love Shack, uh, from the B-52s at the point where they're like, <laughs> bang, 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 on, on the, the door, door baby, baby, bang, bang. So he had that song in his head. He had that song in his head one time. And so he was doing a match. And at the end of the match, he was sitting on the apron and he knew the camera was on him and he just had the song in his head. So he goes, bang, bang, and put two guns up like, you know, but, and, and that was it. And he was known in the locker room as the bang, bang guy and all that stuff. And he was like, that actually came from a B-52 song. I just didn't say on the door. I just said, bang, bang. Like, and it, it's, it's amazing. Like the way, like on the door, you know, one of baby. the most famous yeah. things, bang, bang, like in the double guns was from a B-52 song. <clears throat> yeah. So apparently he's also a big Christmas and Disneyland kind of freak, right? Happily married to Colette Christie since 1992, who uh, and Craig couldn't get enough of. How did he marry a supermodel? Even Mick Foley doesn't know how that happened. He must have forgot. Uh, he has four kids, <laughs> Dewey, that we discussed on just a few moments. Noel, uh, Michael, and Mickey. Isn't Noel uh, getting into the business? I'm going to cut into the chase. No, she's not. She's a, an influencer oh. on social media. That's and Noel Foley That's is right. hot. Uh, so let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> she, she, yeah, follow her on Twitter. Like she... Um... She's very hot. She's an influencer. She does things. She's always in the first couple of rows. She's pitching products, but she's she's beautiful. And she's an advocate and loves wrestling. Oh, well, that's great. I think she trained for hey, a while, uh, right? But Yeah, she tried to, but it's just, you know, it ain't yeah. going to. It, 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 not for everybody. Bag. It's not, man. I, we talk about this over and over. I never even went. I know a few of you guys went to a tryout. And after like a day, you it was rough, dude. Just, it was rough. We even trying How to form that properly. <laughs> Dave, I, I didn't even try. I didn't even try. I, I knew I couldn't. Do it wasn't it. a tryout. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> How'd that lifestyle work out? And, and I was right. It lasted a day. Yeah, we were in there for one full day. I almost not killed myself and knocked myself out. And we all had rope bruises from the ropes. That's how hard the ropes are for yeah. like a week after. And, and and we're and we're bitching about that, and Mick is falling from. And our piece of shit friend Joe, who is naturally gifted, fucking excelled 
like that whole day. Meanwhile, Craig and I were sweating our balls off and gasping for air and all that stuff. And Joe's just a fucking natural in there. And even the trainer to hear like, Jesse sh- Jesse Hernandez, like the SoCal like uh, leader of the Federation, after I got slammed, mm-hmm. to hear him say that was the shits, so I could hear. It. <laughs> Yeah, like, and well, Craig and I are dying, and then he goes up to Joe next week. He's like, "You're gonna come back next week, right?" To Joe, because Joe had natural ability, and Joe's like, "Well, I don't know." And he was like, "You should come back next week." And I was like, "Oh, fuck you, Joe, like you bastard." Hey, do you yeah. want me? To, do you want me to come back? He's like, "He's like, no, no, the, no. The, the skinny guys get the fuck out of here. We don't really want you here at all." It was a drizzling <laughs> shit. Yeah. Well, that's episode two of Mick Foley. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. You can click on Linktree. Find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And don't forget, we are now part of the WrestleHub family, all about wrestling podcast. Find them at, at WrestleHub on YouTube and Instagram. Once again, this is Dave, Jess, and Craig with the OWP signing off. The Have shits. A good one. The shits. San Martino. Bob Backlund and I have held the WWE title for a total of 6,225 days. No, I, I don't think the fans need an individual breakdown. All right. I've, Uh, I've got got the numbers here. Bruno Sammartino held on to the WWE title for a combined total of 4,040 days. Bob Backlund held on to the WWE title for a combined total of 2,138 days. I, I held it.